2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Let's begin to read in verse 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus under the church of the Thessalonians uh, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet because that your faith groweth exceedingly. And the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. Which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you, suffer, for which you also suffer. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. You can be seated tonight. Lord, I pray you'd help us now. Uh, touch us in body. Uh, help those that might be lost to be saved. Help the one that has a need. Strengthen them tonight. I pray they'd come to you and save that sinner's nearest tale. We certainly need a touch from you. For all this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. As you notice the Apostle Paul in uh, this chapter as he's uh, writing his second epistle in that to the church of Thessalonica, uh, he commends them for their faith, which I'll deal with here in a minute, uh, but also their charity uh, toward one another. Uh, if you look, he, he come on down here in verse 3, uh, and he said, it is me. He said, bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is me, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. I thought, well, what a good thing uh, uh, to have charity one with another uh, uh, in the church. Uh, you can go over to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and, uh, and we learn about charity, how love in action, you know, it's more than just love, but charity is love in action. If you can let me say that tonight. Uh, notice he said in uh, uh, verse 1 of chapter 13 of the book of 1 Corinthians, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or tinkling cymbal. And, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Well, ain't that, I always thought that that was uh, uh, very, very uh, not funny, ha-ha, but just funny that God started it out this way in verse 4 when He talked about charity. He said it suffered long. Uh, charity's long-suffering. Boy, yeah. mm-hmm. it, it deals with a lot of things and puts up uh, with a lot of stuff. Amen. I mean, that, that's what allows you to be able to run your home and uh, have love in it and, and just be long-suffering is the charity that you have. And, and He said charity is kind and Charity envieth not, charity voneth not itself, is not puffed up, uh, does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things, and charity never faileth. And so Paul, he commends them for the charity that they have one for another in the church. Insomuch that as their charity and their faith grew, notice that he said, So we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God. So he bragged on him. I really believe that he bragged on the church of Thessalonica uh, for the faith and the patience and the charity uh, that they had with each other. Now, uh, who would brag on us tonight? Yeah. 
Would somebody be uh, willing to brag on us for the charity uh, that we have? We're always quick in that to judge something. We're always quick in that to be, uh, if we're not careful to, uh, to, how can I say this tonight, uh, to be unkind towards somebody if we're not careful. But we should have charity tonight. Uh, we should have charity, that love in action, that, that charity that is kind, and that charity uh, that is long-suffering, that vulnerable not itself is not prideful. Tonight. Charity's not prideful. Uh, it'll let somebody else go before them. Uh, charity does not uh, say, look at me. As a matter of fact, uh, charity will humble itself tonight. And boy, it would be good for all of us, you preacher included, uh, to realize that tonight. But Paul would brag on them because of their faith and their patience and their charity this was part of my daily Bible reading the other day, and I come to verse 3, and uh, this hopped off the page at me. Uh, and God just began to work in my heart with this message. In the middle of verse 3, He said, Because that your faith groweth exceedingly. And I began to think about uh, uh, our faith and what the Bible says about faith. And uh, we understand, the Bible said, but without faith it is impossible to please God. For uh, he that cometh to him, he that cometh to God, must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Uh, we know that faith is the substance of things helped for, the evidence of things are not seen. For by it the elders uh, received a good report. You want a good report? Have faith tonight. Live by faith. The Bible talks about great faith. In Matthew chapter 10 and Matthew 15. Talks about little faith in Matthew 8. No faith in Mark 4. Philippians chapter 2 or Philippians 1. I preached on this not too long ago. The joy of faith. And Colossians 2. He talked about having a steadfast faith. He again in the same chapter talked about a rooted faith and a established faith. 2 Timothy chapter 1 when he talked about Timothy's mom and grandmother. He talked about their unfeigned faith. That means that real faith. Not that pretend faith. That's talking about having a real faith. How real is our faith tonight? I'm not talking about a showy faith or putting on a show, but I mean something that we can have to live by tonight. And he talked about that unfeigned faith, that not that hypocritical faith. Titus 2 talks about sound faith. 2 Timothy talks about overthrown faith. Romans 14 talks about weak faith. Well, I find myself there a lot. Ephesians 2 talks about saving faith. Romans talks a lot about justification by faith. But here he's talking about something uh, that I've really not heard a lot of over the years, but he talks about growing faith. How much does our faith grow? I I would dare say that uh, until we get to heaven, uh, uh, that our faith ought to be growing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and not only that, he says your faith groweth uh, uh, exceedingly. Now if you think that you have arrived, uh, uh, then you're in a mess tonight. Uh, if you think that you've got all the faith you need and that uh, you can handle everything that's out in front of you, uh, uh, friend, I, I'm telling you tonight, I need more faith uh, uh, every day. Amen. Uh, I want to believe and trust God. I want my faith uh, uh, and that to get bigger and bigger and bigger uh, uh, that in God. That's what to grow means. But notice that he said that it does what? That it groweth uh, uh, exceedingly. 
You know, when, when something is exceedingly, whether it's exceedingly big, uh, uh, but in that terminology, it means to a very great degree, uh, or greatly, or very much. And then it also means to a degree beyond what is usual. So he talks about that your faith groweth exceedingly. You know, I would like to have a faith that is above what is normal. Amen? I would like to have a faith above what most Christians and what most Baptists, bless our heart, have tonight. Where we're willing to go so far and then we stop. We're willing to trust God with so much and then we quit. Or we say, God can't handle this portion of my life. Or God can't do anything. He was sure He can tonight. Y'all pray for me, okay? I want y'all to get this because I really I want to get this myself. I, I, but friend, it does not matter our spiritual age or how great a faith that we have, our faith should be growing. Now three things tonight, I'll try to do this in a hurry, uh, as he talks about uh, our faith groweth exceedingly. First of all, to see our faith grow, uh, one, we must submit to the will of God. There's got to be a submission and to that what God wants out of our life. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8, the Bible said, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should receive, after receiving for inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whether he went. That's faith. Hey, it's one thing for God to say, I want you to go over here, and I want you to serve here, but all I'm telling you, Abraham, is just go. Hey, that, that's a little scary sometimes when God says just go. Don't tell you where to go. Don't tell you how to go. Don't tell you uh, when you're going to get there, what's going to happen when you get there. He just says go, and when you get there, you can go to work tall trees. Amen. Right. Some of y'all catch that here in a little bit. Sometimes you just got to go with Abraham by faith. Uh, Abraham went. He believed God uh, and went. And because he went, uh, I have no doubt his faith was increased. Go back and read the story about Abraham and all that God done for him and to him and through him all because he got up and went, amen, when he didn't know where he was going but he was following God. You want to have a growing faith? Just submit to God's will. What's God want out of your life tonight? What's God want? I, I, again, we come back to Gideon, and but we've been all around Gideon for probably a month, a month and a half. And I, I mean, you go to Judges six and uh, seven. That was a man that was having to live by faith. I mean, he was just having to believe God. He was just having to trust God. I, I, I mean, to go from thirty-two thousand men to fight the battle, uh, and then end up with three hundred, uh, and he's going to go out there and fight the Amalekites uh, uh, and, and the enemy uh, uh, that filled that valley like grasshoppers, uh, and he's going to go out there with three hundred men. But God had helped his faith along the way, hadn't he? God had grew his faith. Do you remember how Gideon's faith started out? Gideon's faith started out when God said, Oh, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon says, Who am I? He said, But I am the least. Listen, I'm in the least of the tribes. And I'm the least of my family. And he said, By the way, where are all these miracles that God's told, that they told us about God? I mean, he struggled with some things. The very first thing that God told him to do was to go turn down that altar that his daddy had to bail over there uh, and he couldn't even do it in the daytime because he was afraid so he went and he done it in the nighttime. Amen. 
And he's seen how God moved when he done that. So God said, get in, take those 32,000 men, tell them if they're afraid, then you let them go. So what did we get to? 10,000? He's got 10,000. He said, let them go down there. Now listen, he preached one message and he lost 22,000 people. What's well, a more message, ain't it? Amen. I mean, he, I mean, buddy, he cut by a third. I mean, two thirds. He, I mean, he whittled his church down. Amen. I mean, I remember one preacher said this. They were fixing to build a new church, and, and uh, I mean, they, they, I mean, they were growing, and uh, they were growing, and 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 uh, uh, they were fixing to build a new church. They had the architect out there. He drew out the plans. They had everything going, headed in that way. And he said, "I met with the architect one day. We were sitting in my truck. He said, I told him to tire the plans up." He said, when we were running about 200, I probably had five or six church devils in there. And he said, now we're running more. He said, I think I'll preach harder and we'll thin them out. Amen. And that's what he did. They didn't build no new church. He thinned them out. Uh, listen, Gideon thinned them out so they get over there. Now imagine what that done to his faith uh, to go from 32 uh, uh, to 10. Uh, and then God says, watch how they drink the water over here, Gideon. I, I'll pick them out. I, 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 and, and so he ends up with 300. And then he said, if you're still afraid to go down, go on down there tonight with your servant here and listen out of what you hear down there and what you see, uh, and that'll help you. And you know, he heard that dream. So God was continually uh, uh, strengthening his faith uh, and growing his faith as he went along in obedience to him. Your faith will never grow if you're outside of the will of God. My faith will never grow without being in submission to the will of God. It'll never work. I, I, friend, you cannot grow I, I, outside of Him. Take your Bible and go to the book of 1 Kings I, chapter 17 tonight. 1 Kings chapter 17. This is very elementary and very rudimentary tonight. Uh, but look, and we're, we're dealing and that with, uh, with Elijah. First uh, Kings chapter 17. Now he's winning and he's seen uh, King Ahab. He said, it's not going to rain. It's not going to rain uh, by, the, by the space of my prayer. Until I pray again, it ain't going to rain. Uh, and, and so he, that's why he told him in verse 1. And uh, uh, he said, there shall be no dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And, and the word, well, that's pretty, that's pretty tough, ain't it? I mean, here stands the man of God and he's standing before the king and he said, there ain't going to be no dew, there ain't going to be no rain uh, until I pray for there to be some. That's, that's pretty tough. And so in verse 2, the word of the Lord came unto him saying, Get thee hence and turn the eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook and I, I, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Now, that, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty big promise. And you're going to drink of the brook from something that you just said it wasn't going to rain or have dew. <laughs> so he has to know in his mind this thing's eventually going to dry up. But then God is promising him uh, uh, that by the ravens of the air, uh, uh, by the fowl of the air, they're going to come in and they're going to give him meat. And I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Not anywhere else. But there. He had to be down by the brook Cherith. Not somewhere else. See, a lot of people want to be somewhere else in service to God, but that ain't where God wants them. And here it's where He gets to see God work. You want to have your faith grow exceedingly? Get in the place where you can see God work. 
Amen? Get in the place where you know that God, I want you, Adam. And this is where God sent him. This is where God told him to be. This is where God wants him. And he said, if you go down there, I'll take care of you. And so he went. Notice in verse 5. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith. That is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning. And bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. So God kept his word. Did he not? As a son, I love the old Bible, the precious old Bible. God's wonderful book, divine. That's the name of that song. Listen, I love, I, I love this book. You want to know why? Uh, because these things that were written aforetime uh, were written for our admonition, for our hope. Uh, uh, listen, that we can read. And listen, you need me and you need to understand that, that the same God of the Old Testament is the same God that's sitting in heaven today. Amen. I believe that if He wanted to feed us with ravens and by the brook, He'd still do it. Amen. I believe he can do it tonight. And so he did that. And it came to pass after a while, verse 7, that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. That's exactly what was going to happen. Reckon, reckon, how, reckon how much it dried up before Elijah got to worrying. I've got a message I preached sometime on what Elijah learned by the drying brook. And one of the things is he learned how to trust God. I mean, he has to see this stream getting less and less every day. He has to see it beginning to dry up. And so the Bible said that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, it the desire fast which belongeth to Zion, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. And you can go on and you can read the, uh, you can go on and read the story, and that's exactly what God done. He done it with an empty cruise of oil and an empty meal barrel. God sustained him and her and her son in the midst of a drought. Reckon that that helped Elijah's uh, faith to grow. Reckon that helped him uh, uh, and that to be able to go on. Reckon he went up to Zarephath because he'd seen God work uh, uh, down here at the brook chair and now he knows God's going to take care of him. Has God ever let you down? No. Oh, they never let me down. He's been faithful to me far more than I've been faithful to Him. Amen. Yes. He's, never, he's never dropped the ball on me. He's never let me down. I've wondered about some things. I've wondered about that drying brook. And I know that Elijah had to be sitting there and wondering about that. How do you know that? Because the Bible said that Elijah was a man of like passions as we are. He was just like us. Yes. But I believe that would grow a man's faith to be where God wants you to be and you could see God work. Number two, we submit, we submit to God's will for our life. But then there is a believing and a submission to the Scripture. Romans 10, 17, I know he's talking about salvation here, but it also works in our life, in our Christian life. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You want faith? You're going to have to believe God's book. You're going to have to live by God's book. Can I ask you a very personal question tonight? How much do you read your Bible? I didn't ask you how much you study your Bible. I, I understand that God's not going to make a theologian out of everybody. 
But the more that you read your Bible, the more that you'll come to understand what God is looking for out of your life and my life. How much do we submit to the Scripture? I read the Bible. I even try to study the Bible. But there's one thing to read and study and another to submit and that to God's Word by what He says. Well, what's that got to do with my faith growing exceedingly? When you look at this book and you read it, and one, He gives you insight on this thing. Do you ever pray for insight in God's, in God's book? Say, so, Lord, I, I need some help while I read this thing. I, I, I need some direction while I read it. I, 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 just, I just bow my head and I say a short little prayer. Uh, when I get ready to read, when I get ready to study, I, I just say, Lord, I need some help here. And would you show me something new out of your book? That's generally the prayer that I pray. And, and I mean it when I pray it. That, that's exactly what I mean. And sometimes I'm glad that He re-shows us what He's already showed us before. Sometimes you see it again and it's more of a blessing the second time than it was the first time. Amen. Have you ever read your Bible and got a blessing out of it? I mean, boy, God done something for you when you read that thing over there? I like to read and uh, the, 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 the words on the pages I, I just jump off at you. Just like I was talking about right here when, when I come to that point where he talks about your faith groweth exceedingly. I, and boy, it's just like that thing just jumped off the page. And God began to do something in this message for me. When you read your Bible, you find out about God. You find out about the character of God. Find out about the judgment of God and the love of God and the love of the Lord Jesus. You find out about how to live separated out of this world. You know, first of all, it tells us about being saved. And and all I knew the night that I got saved was I needed to get saved. And I knew Jesus would save me. That's about all I knew. I was very ignorant on a lot of things, even though I was raised in church. Uh, but I knew that if I would come and ask Him and pray I, I, and, and trust Him, that He would save me. But boy, then I began to learn about the justification of faith. I, 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 you know, I, I mean, all those things in the Bible I, I, about what He done for me and uh, that it was my sin that He took at Calvary. And, uh, and that if I believe Him, I'm justified and reconciled back together with the Father. You're talking about, you're talking about helping your faith. You read over in Ephesians chapter 6 about the whole armor of God when he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Uh, He tells us how to fight right there. He tells us we have an adversary in 2 Peter or 1 Peter chapter 5. Uh, But but then he tells us in Ephesians 6 uh, in how to fight that battle. I'll never forget years ago and I can see it just as plain as day and uh, the, the church that me and my wife got married in, and uh, and I can remember they had they had uh, they they had pews this side, and pews on this side, and a big old open square in the middle. And that's where the preacher done most of the preaching was out here in the middle. And and, and I remember he was preaching on that about the battles that we fight. And I, I can remember he he was preaching uh, out of Ephesians six about putting on the whole armor of God and uh, having the shield of faith and uh, everything. And he said, if all you had was the shield of faith, you can hold it up. 
But the devil's going to beat you to death. I've never forgot that. Because I remember him holding up that shield and, and boy, as he was getting beat to death, he said, that's why you have to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and begin to fight back. That's why it's important for you to read. That's why it's important for you to study and to beg God to help you with this book right here is so that you fight back. You and I need to be able to fight. You go to the book of 2 Timothy over there, I believe it is, and he talks about how that we're in a battle, that we're chosen to be a soldier. We don't entangle ourselves with the affairs of this life. But we please Him who has called us to be a soldier. That will help your faith when you read this book and begin to see that it is true. This book has never let me down. I found it to be true every time. I've never found where that it's, it's ever been wrong. It's never been wrong. I've been wrong, but, I, but it's never been wrong. So my faith grows in the study of God's Word. But then we come back to the text verse, and this is really where I wanted to get to tonight. If you don't get anything else, I want you to get this. He, he talks about in verse 3, your faith groweth exceedingly. In verse 4, he talks about so that we ourselves glory in, your, in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. Their faith grew exceedingly in suffering. When they were under persecution and tribulation, their faith grew. Don't that sound exciting? Boy, it was exciting when we talked about submitting to God's will. It was exciting when we talked about submitting to the Scriptures, but then to submit to suffering. That just don't sound too pleasing. Here is a church that is under persecution. I mean, because if you read on down through here, He said, And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction in the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power, when He shall come to be glorified in His saints, to be admired in all them that believe, uh, because of our testimony among you was believed in that day. Uh, and He talks about all the suffering uh, uh, that they went through and that, uh, that they were troubled. You know where our faith will grow the best? In problem times. In troublesome times. James chapter 1, he said, James, the servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ of the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. So he tells us who he's writing to. I understand the doctrinal dispensation of all this. But it makes application today. He said, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. That means many. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have a perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. There's going to come trials to our faith. And that's when it grows exceedingly. 
When you, when you in uh, tribulation, when, when you under persecution, you know the word persecution means to injure or to vex or to afflict or to harass. Tribulation literally means, uh, uh, the, the thought of it means to thrash on or to beat on. But uh, it's talking about severe affliction or distress. It often denotes troubles and distress which proceed from persecution. So they basically mean the same thing. Have you ever had trouble and distress? I think every one of us that's got any age have, have had problems. Can I ask you something? Have you ever had a situation in your life that was out of control? That was out of your control? I mean, have you ever been there? Have you ever been to the place to where you could not wrap your hands around it and you could make something happen? There was no way that, uh, that, that you could fix it. What did you do with it? Are you still living in that problem or in that tribulation or that struggle? Why, I hope not. Uh, uh, listen, that, that's, that, that's why we have the throne of grace, uh, uh, that we may find mercy and grace to help, uh, that we come bolded to find mercy and grace to help in a time of need. Hey, we can come to Him uh, and ask Him to help, put our faith in Him. Amen. And then watch Him move. God may not move tomorrow. I, I've learned something. God certainly does not work on my time frame. Would you take your Bible and go to the book of Acts chapter 27? You should know what this scripture is. Acts 27, Paul's caught in the storm. We all know Paul tried his best to tell them don't go, but they went. Paul's along for the ride. And so the Bible said after they got caught uh, in that storm, and verse 18, Well, let me back up to verse 17. Which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship and fearing lest they should fall into quicksand, straight sail, and so were driven. And we being exceeding tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. I mean, they're in the middle of a storm that they can't fix. They can't get away from it. The Bible said they were caught in that storm. They can't roll their way out of it. They can't get the, 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 uh, the sails up and get blown out of that storm. They're just tossed to and fro. They, they're, they're afraid that the ship is going to fall apart uh, because they've got it undergirded and they're trying to lighten it as much as they can. And then he said this, when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, no small tempest lay on us. All hope that we should be saved was taken away. They were out of hope. You ever been out of hope? At your wit's end, as we preached about not too long ago, they were out of hope in their suffering and in their tempest that they were in. But look in verse 21. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete to have gained uh, this harm and loss. That's a Baptist preacher for you, ain't it? I told you so. That's what he told them. I told you so. But then in verse 22, And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ships. Why? For there stood by me, by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee uh, all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. 
For I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. And we know the rest of the story. It was. He had to finish out the storm. I mean, the ship come in in pieces. And I mean, they were busted up pretty good. But you know what? They got to the island, didn't they? Well, you can say, boy, it didn't end like I thought it was going to end. Yeah, but God got him there. It may not have ended the way you thought, but God got you there. God's got you where you are tonight. All because you trusted Him. You know what? Notice what Paul said. Uh, He said what? Uh, He said, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God. He had faith in the Lord. The the storm is not over with. They're not off the boat. As a matter of fact, here stands that Baptist preacher out there saying, Be of good cheer. In the midst of the storm, I mean, they're rocking back and forth, to and fro. They've not ate anything for 14 days, the Bible tells us. And they throwed everything overboard. And here stands the preacher going, Be of good cheer. Stinking preacher. What's he know? Well, he knew something. Because God had come by. Ain't you glad in the midst of our troubles and in our suffering, God will come by and He'll show up. You go on and you read when Paul was at Macedonia in 2 Corinthians. The Bible said, For when we were coming to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without, were fightings within, were fears. Nevertheless, God, that comforted those that are cast down, comforted us by the coming of Titus. Again, Paul said, I was in such despair. He said, without were fightings, within were fears, but God sent me Titus. God knows how to help our faith tonight. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, when the Apostle Paul stood over there by himself uh, and that against Alexander the coppersmith, uh, uh, when nobody else uh, was with him, everybody had forsook him. He said, at first, he said, at my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He said, God came by. That will help strengthen your faith in the midst of your tribulation and trials when God comes by to visit. Psalms chapter 17, David said, Thou hast visited me in the night time. Hey, that helps my faith. When God comes by in my tribulation and my bad times and my sorrowful times, and it's not always going to be cookies and cream. It's not always going to be good, church. It's not always going to be good. I know most of your all's lives. I mean, I've been here for 21 years. I know most of you sitting in here. Don't know everybody, but I know most of you. And I know that a lot of you have been through some hard times over the years. And bad times. Some worse than others if we were to classify them, I guess you would say. But I, I try not to compare tribulation and persecution and hard times. But God has been faithful through it all. That should increase our faith. We come back to Romans chapter 5. And the Apostle Paul, he, 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 as he starts out, and, and, and we learn about justified by faith. He said, verse 1, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's all because of Him. He's the one that gives us peace with God. He's the one that reconciled us back to God. 
by whom also we have access by faith unto this grace, into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Now notice what he said. We glory in tribulations. You know, we read over a lot. I, let me say this. I read over a lot of stuff in the Bible and miss it because I just read over it. Paul said, I glory, we glory in tribulations. How many of us do that? How many of us say, boy, it's, it's, it's a hard time, but boy, thank God for it. Praise God that He's going to help us. He says, knowing that what? Tribulation worketh patience. So there is a learning process with tribulations. He said it worketh patience. And patience experience and experience hope. And hope make them not ashamed. You know how you get to hope? How do we get to hope? We start with tribulation, don't we? Tribulation worketh patience. And patience, what? Experience and experience hope. Have we ever experienced what God would have us to? Have we ever experienced His help and His guiding hand and His carrying hand that brings don't that help don't that help your faith? Don't that grow your faith to look back over time? And, 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 and I've had discussions with people sitting in here. It, it, seemed, it seemed like when we were younger it was easier to live by faith then than it is now. And I don't understand that. Second Timothy 3, Paul said, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, and patience, persecutions, and afflictions, which came to me at Antioch and at Iconium and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. He said God was faithful. In our tribulation and in our struggles, when, 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 at, the, at the lowest times, that's where God can help our faith to grow exceedingly. Submission to His will and submission to His word and submission to suffering. I don't know anybody that likes to suffer, but He told them right here, He said, Your faith groweth exceedingly. And they've done it in the midst of suffering. What about us tonight? What about us? Where's your faith at tonight? And let's bow our heads if we would.